You are listening to I Doubt It with me, your host, Jesse Dolliman, a podcast dedicated to free-thinking discussion, ideas, skepticism, but most importantly, a good time. Everybody, welcome back to the show, episode seven. New, new wave, eh? New, is that um, nine? Uno, dos, tres, siete. No, cuatro. What? Oh wait, I think siete <laughs> is number seven. <laughs> I got ahead of myself. Well, welcome to the English speaking podcast. <laughs> I doubt it. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, the singular language speaking individual across from me. <laughs> Is the lovely Brittany Page. Oh, God. Hi, everyone. <laughs> wow. Six years of Spanish, everybody. <laughs> Product of public school. I'll take it again if that's what we want to happen, because I know I can count to seven correctly. I, I bet you can. Uno. No, no. Dos, we're done. We're tres, done. cuatro, you cinco, seis, siete. You missed your moment. Ocho, nueve, diez. <laughs> She's going to make a song out of it. Anyway, well, <laughs> that's kind of a sidetrack. Welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, we are very happy you're joining us. Uh, we we are happy to announce that uh, this thing is taking off to coin a very updated phrase like gangbusters. Mm. Yeah, see? <laughs> more accents. <laughs> yeah, more accents. We really appreciate it. Uh, our subscriber count is awesome. Unbelievable beyond my wildest dreams and uh we appreciate it very much to push that to to now ask of you after i thank you for something i want to ask you please go on and you you don't have to write a full review you could just write kick-ass show or he's a jackass or whatever but if you rate you can just rate the show clicking on stars and it says thanks a lot but you can also review both would be awesome a review would be spectacular but I'll take what I can get. Story of my life. So uh, don't forget to get at us on Twitter. And, of course, our Facebook page. It's there for you. And also, still plug in the phone number, 657-464-7609. We would love to hear from you. And as always, if you leave a voicemail, you are consenting to us using your voice. Come on, do it. <laughs> do it. So. I had an entire topic and setup planned to start the show, and before we could get going, something came across my desk that the walking, talking, breathing, speaking, intellectual dumpster, Pat Robertson, um, just came out and made some comments. And Shocking. On his wonderful show his science-based intellectual-based show the 700 club mm. and i want to talk about it so we're going to dive right in he is talking about how homosexuality and abortion it's it's a, a movement led by satan ultimately but he just has some choice things to say and he has a unique historical perspective and you know in his unique style of of brains and wit, Pat Robertson lets us have it again. I think you got to remember from the Bible, you look carefully at the Bible, what would have happened in Jesus' time if two men decided they wanted to cohabit together, um, they would have been stoned to death. So Jesus would not have baked them a wedding cake, nor would he have made them a bed to sleep in, because they wouldn't have been there. But um, we don't have that in this country here, so that's the way it is. Wow. Well, first of all, it's cohabitate. No, not cohabit. Cohabit would be two dudes who want to bite their fingernails together. That would be cohabit. Secondly, he seems to be bummed out that, well, you know, we don't have that in this country anymore. Oh. Oh. I've just been informed cohabit is a word live together and have a sexual relationship without being married verb 
Well, I guess I did learn something from Pat Robertson today, other than how to hate the queers. Oh. <laughs> Cohabit, everybody. Word of the day. <laughs> See, now you look dumb, too. That's awesome. Uh, I can't speak Spanish. You don't know words. Who knows? Anything could happen here on the wacky morning zoo, everybody. <laughs> Pat Robertson's teaching us some lessons. <laughs> so, All right, Simpsons character. <laughs> so there's a couple lessons I want to give to Pat Robertson. And that, you like that? Oh, I can't wait. Nice little transi- transition. Yeah. About me teaching him something yeah. after he just taught me something. Yeah. God, it was awesome. Almost like it was planned. It was really not planned, though. <laughs> See, now they're thinking it's planned. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't know what you want me to do. <sighs> I just can't win. Okay, read. So, so anyway, I, there's a couple things about that particular clip. That I split this up into several clips, and I want to talk about each one. He, he talks about how, well, they he wouldn't have been making them cakes or making them beds, referring to the Arizona law, which t- targeted the the New Mexico situation where a cake maker or a photographer, you know, th- that's what they were trying to protect. So he is stating that it w- they would have been stoned to death and laments that we're not able to do that today in this country, but that they would have been stoned to death. So Jesus wouldn't have, he wouldn't have done all that for him. What he fails to mention is that in John chapter 8, verses 3 through 11, it's an instance where Jesus is brought a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. So she's dead to right. She's guilty. Adultery was a, pun- a crime punishable by the death penalty. Sto- the same penalty, stoned to death. So it carried the same weight. And, well, I'll just read it. Um, John... Chapter 8, verses 3 through 11. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought him, brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in, its, in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. First of all, what the hell were they doing? How do, are they spying on this lady? How did they find, catch her in the act? Unless she was just giving it out in the alley. Well, everyone was just in huts back then. Yeah, I guess so. There wasn't not a, lot a lot of, of privacy. Yeah, not a lot of windows. Uh, it goes goes on. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? A lot of sayest. Apparently in Aramaic they, they spoke in the Old English. It was great. Um, this they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. They're saying that they're trying to trick him. They're trying to trip him up. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So... Jesus is fucking ignoring the shit out of these guys. So when they continued asking him, he lifted himself up. He lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is with, without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by beginning at the eldest, even unto the last and in the midst, when Jesus had lifted himself up and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. This is a super famous parable, or par- not parable. This is a super famous story in the Bible. And it goes to the, the mercy Jesus showed her that she was guilty, dead guilty, of a, of a capital offense that would have left her dead stoned to death by her her peers her her fellow citizens and he chose not to so for pat robertson to assert that jesus would be complicit in the murder or the execution to put it less less harshly to be complicit in the execution of a homosexual because it was in the in the law this is i believe proof that he wouldn't have he wouldn't have it's also interesting because Pat Robertson is a complete hypocrite because about a year ago he was in the news for controversial things he said to a woman who wrote into him for advice about her husband who was cheating. That's and right. so rather than talking about how adultery was punishable by death, like he's talking about when this homosexuality question is raised, he said, here's the secret. 
stop talking about the cheating. He cheated on you. Well, he's a man. Yeah, that's that. That's a perfect. Hey, you're a man. You're gonna cheat. He went on to say, does he provide a home for you to live in? Does he provide food for you to eat? Does he provide clothes for you to wear? Is he nice to the children? Is he handsome? <laughs> hey, listen, if he has a job and he's good looking and he doesn't beat the fuck out of your kids, who cares if he could possibly bring home a venereal disease? It, you, you have it pretty good, lady. No talk of stoning. That's yeah, weird. weird. Yeah. He must have just overlooked it. Yeah. The, the husband must be so handsome that Pat Robertson was just verklempt. Oh, I got the vapors. He's so handsome. He forgot about the biblical penalty. Yeah, it's very alarming. Maybe Jesus would have been making that guy a cake. <laughs> but the other, it does alarm me. It, it does alarm me that at the end of the sentence, he's, he's you know, we don't have that anymore in this country. Huh. Hmm. Longing for the good old days where we could stone the queers. It, he's another one that would be well well better suited to run his little little TV show from the confines of Saudi Arabia where it's absolutely acceptable to subjugate and oppress women that that's his style so good old pat robertson went on to say but um, we don't have that in this country here so that's the way it is but ladies and gentlemen i think we have to recognize uh, what um, I said a few years ago, um, at that point, uh, homosexual marriage was condemned. Homosexuality itself was considered a, a pathology. And now those who were practicing that activity uh, have turned and become the oppressors of those who hold to deeply held religious points of view. Uh, the, the tables have turned. Indeed. Mr. Robertson, the tables have turned. And what I love, oh my God, he's, he's going batty or something because yeah, he never would have slipped up like this before. He's admitting that the tables have turned. The gays are now oppressing Christians, he's saying. And by saying the tables have turned, he's admitting that prior to this period, the gays were being oppressed. He, he's, he's coming right out. And That's he's, a great he's, point. He's admitting it. Yeah. So he's admitting to having had oppressed homosexuals. He con it, the, the behavior was condemned. Gay marriage was condemned. I think he means not legal, not condemned, but he's slipping up. He's, he's absolutely admitting to being an active oppressor of other human beings. He, th this man is deplorable. He is wicked. He is vile. And counting the days until he's no longer with us and he can no longer spread this vitriol and venom like he does. Yes. And let's let him hang himself. The, the tables have turned, and I, I think that's uh, just the way it is. But why? What is it about gays? What is it about abortion? Have you ever thought why they're on the forefront right now? Well, number one, both of them deny the reproduction of human species. An abortion uh, destroys the product of conception, kills a baby in the womb. Uh, homosexuality is no chance of uh, conception, and it, it is a, a meaningless exercise because it doesn't go anywhere. What is it about the gays? How about their people? Yeah. And they deserve respect? And they love other humans. How about that? It's the other striking thing in that is <laughs> it, it's meaningless. Homosexual homosexuality is meaningless because it doesn't result in the procreation, the creation, the the breeding of offspring. So he's speaking scientifically and very biologically here. It, it seems to me. That his old, dusty-ass reproductive system is probably not kicking out kids. And his wife has probably already gone through the change. So, because they can't have kids, because they can't create kids, is their marriage meaningless? Or is it a vibrant, loving partnership because of the commonality of the emotion and the experience and the love that they share? 
I would I would obviously venture to say it's the latter that his marriage isn't meaningless even though they can't have kids anymore. Yeah, just because he's 84 years old and surely has some issues in that department. Oh yeah, these I didn't days. even think about that. <laughs> this guy's wiener doesn't even work <laughs> without the the coaxing of pharmacology. You know, 84 years old, so he's probably having some problems and you know, he still loves his wife. So that his marriage isn't meaningless just because he can't procreate. He's meaningless because he's an old bastard. Yeah, he says very bad things. Actually, he's not meaningless. His meaning is just really shitty. Terrible. Yes, his meaning is nothing. <laughs> so it all kind of leads us, you know, there's a movement in our in our society today, in our country, I think all over the world, but it's very prevalent here. And it's this oversensitivity. People are attacking. It's, it's people like Pat Robertson that need to be attacked who need to be addressed. Who need to be striking a chord rather than some of the other things that do strike chords with people. Right. Well, he needs to be, his comments need to be condemned. Yes. Not issues like Megyn Kelly saying that Santa is white. We are focusing on the wrong things and getting our panties in a wad. I don't want to disparage women, so don't write any letters. But getting our panties in a wad or your boxer briefs, or whatever panties you wear. I wear panties, so I, I refer to panties. They're delicate and wonderful. Ooh. <laughs> lacy. No, not lacy. Oh, okay, that sorry. chafes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, They're silky. Sensitive. Yeah, um, I have sensitive skin. Yeah, on the areas. My balls. Yes. <laughs> so we need to attach our effort and our energy to that which is meaningful, to go back to his term. And... Issues like Megyn Kelly, when she said that, are they're not taking us anywhere. They're they're not furthering the conversation. It, it, let me remind you about a, a little bit of what she said. And when I saw this headline, I kind of laughed and I said, oh, "This is so ridiculous!" Yet another person claiming it's racist to have a white Santa. You know, and by the way, for all you kids watching at home, Santa just is white. But this person is just arguing that that maybe we should we should also have a black Santa. But, you know, Santa is what he is. And just so you know, we're just debating this because someone wrote about it, kids. OK, I wanted to get that straight. Hey, kids, Santa's not real. So let's just get that out there real quick. Yeah. It doesn't matter what color he is because he doesn't exist. Well, Santa's not black. He's not green. He's not white. He's he's a figment of your imagination. Yes. Just like many, many other things. So when she said this, there was a firestorm of controversy. All the networks covered it. All the other networks covered this like it was news. Like she had done something. She had beheaded a goat on live television. It, it was ridiculous. And there's a couple things that I want to address. First of all, she was clearly, she also went on to say, that Jesus is also white, which is just fucking dumb because Jesus was from the Middle East and he was more like Yasser Arafat, if you remember what he looked like. J Jesus probably looked more like Mohammed Atta, one of the 19 hijackers during 9-11. That's going to spark some controversy. But he probably looked more like that guy than he d did you know, the Jehovah's Witness propaganda or the Mormon propaganda that you see relative to Jesus and the way he looked. That He didn't look like a white dude, like he's Swedish. He looked like he was from the Middle East. And I think her comment about Jesus was a little more controversial in terms of how it was covered than the Santa Claus thing, but people were certainly, you know, not happy about the Santa Claus comment, which is weird because if you type Santa Claus into Google and click on images... Every Santa picture you're going to see yeah. is of a white guy. So well, she's not in the minority in saying that Santa Claus is white. Santa Claus is born of Scandinavian and Northern European tradition. So he he is for sure his base. He, he His history is being a white guy, as white as they get. So he, he's absolutely the character is white. Now, however, we have um, co-opted. America has co-opted Santa. The world has co-opted Santa from from the Northern Europeans and the and the Scandinavians. So, blacks have black Santa. 
you know, Mexicans have, you know, a, a, a darker skin Santa. And that's okay because he's a cultural, he's become a cultural figure. What Megyn Kelly said was very simply, quote, Santa is white, end of quote, and so is Jesus. So I think the real issue is, you know, if you want to make a joke about Santa's whiteness, here's a way to do it that would not presume white normalcy or that white is the norm. You could say, for instance, and I would, that if there were Santa, he'd have to be white because no black man could break into millions of homes, even if he was bearing presents, and not be shot by some neighborhood watch captain. That's a way to be funny, but Fox News would never do that because that would presume that they had to admit racial profiling and racism were real so there's that i think the real issue is that she made a statement of fact not for her own opinion but fact there's a difference between believing in santa and believing in jesus or the buddha buddha did not come from kansas jesus was not born in a manger in central pennsylvania he was a man of color and the fact that we have represented him for centuries literally as a white man speaks to the entire history of white supremacy we can act like it didn't happen we can make it the punchline of a joke but the reality is is this iconography, Jesus more so than Santa, I agree with Mel here, Jesus more so than Santa is a real problem. There's a reason we've represented these okay. icons as white. It's not a coincidence that we've done that. The, the problem with this is, is everyone is failing to realize that the identity of Christ, in my hallway, in my home, I've got, and those of you who know me and have had the wild privilege of being in my home, you will know I have two Jesus-related, Christian-related um, prints in my home. One is a framed picture, drawing, illustration of black Jesus Christ. Are we bitching at the, the blacks who claim he's, he's, he's black? Because of some scripture in, in Jeremiah, the, the hair of wool and skin of bronze? I, I don't hear anybody talking about that. Um, are we... And the other, the other one is the Black Last Supper, which I find to be hilarious. It's awesome. All the afros. It's just a beautiful, beautiful thing that will always remain in my home. But I don't hear anybody whining that, oh, well, the blacks have pictures of black Jesus and they think he's black. And, and the Mexicans have a darker skinned, you know, more Latin looking one. No one's saying that. It's only because she said he's white that it's a problem. And it's a problem because she's wrong. That's the only reason it's a problem. It's she's not making some statement denigrating other races. That's actually an interesting point because when she did say the thing about Santa being white, there were people that came out and said, you know, I'm black. I grew up having an image painted in my mind by my parents that Santa was black. I always thought Santa was black. So he grew up as a black man and he thought that Santa was black. So And there's... Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that, I think, either way. Because if, if a black Jesus or a black Santa is more palatable for you as a child, and it's going to make the, you know, a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down, and if that sugar is just black sugar, then right on. If, it, if it's more copacetic, then let's go with it, because it's all fantasy anyway. What the fuck does it matter? Yeah, it's almost like young girls choosing dollies that look like them. Kind of, a, that's what Absolutely. it reminds me of. And it's just a non-issue. It's crazy how the news coverage went for like two, three days on that. Yeah, on that single issue. Yeah. The, and well, the problem is going back to the earlier point is where is the outcry over Pat Robertson and trolls like that and Kevin Swanson? Or even even uh, Michelle Bachman talking about vaccinations and uh, the Gardasil vac vaccination ma making kids mentally retarded, to quote her. Yes. So where is the outrage on that kind of misinformation that is actually damaging to our society? It's nowhere because this is this these are easy headlines and sensational headlines. It's it's a modern day yellow journalism just to keep us distracted from the real shit because it's easy. They're empty calories. This is the fast food news, and these are Big Macs. And it's not the only one. No, it's you know it's like the whole Ted Cruz making his not funny but a joke. His joke uh, at a at a campaign rally. It's clearly a joke. He post postures it as a joke. He gets a response like it's a joke. Kind and of. There's a giant firestorm about him comparing. Well, I'll let uh, Ted uh, Ted Cruz make it funny for you. Y'all know those Nigerian email scammers? 
Well, if you've noticed, we haven't heard nearly as much from them lately. They've all been hired to run the Obamacare website. So, kind of funny, I guess, <laughs> for Ted Cruz and someone who is Ted Cruz. Well, funny based on the, only on the fact that he's referring to something that I think we all know about, which is the Nigerian... You guys a Nigerian prince. He needs you to do this or that, and you're gonna. And he'll give you ten percent of this fortune he's trying to hide because of uh, political strife in his country. Yes, that's a Nigerian accent. Leave me alone. Another accent, everybody. <laughs> Actually, I should have listened to this next clip of the pastor a little bit more clearly over and over than I could have had in a Nigerian accent. No, but, I think that's good that it didn't go out that way. Again, there was an uproar over these comments. That comment lasted for. A couple weeks in the news it was he was getting bashed and bashed and there's a lot of reason to bash ted cruz mainly because he's an attention whore and he's not necessarily the leader we want in the position he's in but not this not the nigerian email scammer joke i'm not too sure of the motive behind that but anyway the statement have been made and uh, it has a devastating effect in the in the in the mind of nigerians because uh, we don't want to uh, identify the country with anything negative it's okay that you don't know pastor because everybody else knows what he meant by that which is the nigerian scam emails that everyone knows about that banks will educate you about because they're so fearful of you you know giving into the information and it's a widely known thing well, and the other thing is, we, we don't want anybody to say anything bad about Nigeria. Well, shit's, shit happens, and bad shit came out of there, and they were from Nigeria. So just because you don't want to say it doesn't mean it didn't happen. And he wasn't being shitty even about Nigeria. He was making a joke about a common cultural occurrence that's become kind of a pop cultural reference about nigerian princes and there was many different stories that came along with it so although he, ted cruz is a jackass in many ways he was fine here but it went beyond it went beyond see no one ever has any reputation of that, that that's worth anything that has any merit um th this next one is a political consultant who uses all kinds of buzzwords about oh we gotta we don't wanna we wanna unite we don't wanna separate and uh and he, None of it means anything. He doesn't say anything of any worth, anything of any merit. It's complete drivel. That type of dialogue is inflammatory. Um, I think it, 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 it is one that will divide us as opposed to unite us. Uh, and I think that's what the country wants right now. They want to be united. They want real leadership. Um, that's not going to be culturally insensitive. Culturally insensitive. What I didn't hear him say what was culturally insensitive about the joke? Did, did you hear anything culturally insensitive? I don't believe I did. He didn't say, hey, you know those, those uh, Nigerian email scammers who wear those stupid dresses and the dumb hats? He, I just made him sound like, like, a, like an old New York Jew. Yeah, I don't know what you were going. He, he's a hick. I know. Okay. I, all right. All right, everybody. I'm sorry for that one. <laughs> That was a mistake. That was a terrible accident. That one was. Everyone yeah. up to this point has been spot on. Mm, mm -hmm. That one, not not so good. Right. Yeah. Uh, but don't worry. I'll redeem myself. And also, <laughs> Ted Cruz didn't say, oh, the Obamacare website's being run by a bunch of Nigerians. It, he didn't right, say that. Right. He was making a joke about the scammers. There was and... no cultural ins sensitivity. The, you know, the other point that I haven't even mentioned here is that all of these are conservatives or Fox News related, because when a liberal does something, you know, when when uh, Alec Baldwin when Alec Baldwin does his flies off of the handle and talks about how guys like to get fucked in their ass or or cocksucker this or cocksucker well, that, not just when he talks about how guys like to re calls them receive, and you know, he says he calls them. Bad names, cocksuckers, and then faggots and even. then we'll say you must love you know receiving. Yeah, yeah. And that's 
a little... She's being very PC about how she's phrasing this. He's very graphic, like I've been. And then he tries to act like that he wasn't being disparaging about them actually being gay. And why would you get so specific and detailed about right. the behaviors and use those words? The problem the problem with the, the uh, Alec Baldwin thing is... He, he did get a lot of shit, and ultimately he ended up getting fired. But it wasn't because of the outrage of the left community. It was because the hypocritical outrage of the conservative community. Because they bitch and moan when someone comes after Ted Cruz. Or Megyn Kelly. Or Megyn Kelly, which they're justified to be outraged cause, because it's, it's ridiculous. But then they go after the Alec Baldwin. The only fellow liberal that was prominent in coming out against Alec Baldwin was Anderson Cooper. Yeah, I, but I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't classify him as a liberal. I think he's a straight new Oh. No pun intended. He's a straight newsman. Yes. He's definitely not straight, but he's he's a he's a journalist. I guess Alec Baldwin was also mad at Rachel Maddow, so maybe she said something too. I don't watch MSNBC, so I don't know what right. she said about him, but, there, but, but where was the uproar? Where yeah, was the firestorm? I didn't see a lot. Yeah. It's a bummer, but in you know, there's an, there's other liberals who get who, who get in in trouble for saying things. Um, Juan Williams, for instance, yeah. and actually the only reason he got shit, NPR fired him for what he said for expressing his his just he kind of opened up and was honest about you know I I kind of feel uncomfortable when I see people in Muslim garb who are getting on my my flight. That's a natural reaction. Anybody who says that the, the crop thought doesn't cross their mind is a liar. Or is unaware of the our geopolitical situation right now, where it relates to, to global terrorism. But he got fired by NPR, and I would postulate the reason he got fired was because of his close connection to Fox News, because they didn't like that he was working for "quote unquote" the enemy. I think you're right. I think look, political correctness can lead to some kind of paralysis where you don't address reality. I mean, look, Bill, I'm not a bigot. You know, the kind of books I've written about the civil rights movement in this country. But when I get on a plane, I got to tell you, if I see people who are in Muslim garb and I think, you know, they're identifying themselves first and foremost as Muslims, I get worried. I get nervous. I don't think there's really anything wrong with that because he's being honest. He's he's coming out with with a just an honest knee jerk reaction. It's like I said the other day that my uh, on previous episodes we're talking about Fred Phelps that I'm my in immediate visceral reaction is to let's go get a sign and let's go pick at that bastard's funeral but my higher self takes over and I understand yeah you know that's not rational and I think that's what he was getting at here is look when I see someone on who's getting on my plane and they identify first as a Muslim that, that it makes him nervous what's What's wrong with that? Is that is he is he just being a bigot or is he just being honest that that's his initial reaction? Well, I think that he, you know, was describing his opinion and his own personal feeling and it ended up getting him fired. And that's yeah. a terribly unfortunate situation. Yeah, I don't I don't think he was being it wasn't a hate-fueled diatribe that he was going on. It certainly didn't merit being fired from a job. Um, but you had, you know, Roland Martin. He he came out and he lit him up. He shit all over and talked about his own, his own. Well, how righteous and high and mighty he is. No one. That is your perspective. That is your opinion. You are basing it based upon a particular stereotype. Just like I'm sure Juan Williams would be offended if he got to the elevator and a white woman clutched her purse when she saw a black man. I've had that experience. Again, if I wore African garb, somebody might see that as Muslim garb. They could make a determination. But also, if I see a white guy with a crew, crew cut and some black boots and a black leather jacket, I don't automatically think, is he a neo-Nazi? Well, unfortunately for the outspoken Roland Martin, he was suspended from CNN for making yeah. controversial <laughs> remarks on Twitter during the Super Bowl. This was in 2012, and the statement that was released from CNN stated that Roland Martin's tweets were regrettable and offensive, language that demeans, is inconsistent with the values and culture of our organization, and is not tolerated. So... He got a little bit of his own medicine there. Yeah, let me, what were his tweets? Yeah, l let me tell you what his tweets are. It was over, this was a couple of years ago, but it was over, uh, David Beckham did some underwear commercials for H&M, which 
like that dude's wearing anything from H&M. God damn. Seriously. <laughs> and Roland Martin tweeted, there's three tweets, and th- this is the succession. If a dude at your Super Bowl party is hyped about David Beckham's H&M underwear ad, smack the ish out of him. Hashtag Super Bowl. He went on to say, ain't no real bruhs, bruhs, B-R-U-H-S, going to H&M to buy some David Beckham underwear. Hashtag Super Bowl. And then he wrapped it up with, who the hell was that New England Patriot they just showed in a head-to-toe pink suit? Oh, he needs a visit from... Hashtag team whip dat ass. Yikes. (laughs) Now, if they fired him because he's a dumbass, then I think that's fine. (laughs) But firing him for that because the gay gay movement, the gay lobby, the gay activist organizations came out and were not happy. Yeah, gay rights groups such as GLAAD accused him of condoning anti-gay violence for the... You know, smacking, or gay violence. smacking the. I guess it would be anti-gay violence, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, condoning anti-gay violence uh, for his comment about, you know, smacking, smacking the, the ish. ish out of somebody. The ish. If a dude at a Super Bowl party is hyped about David Beckham, smack the ish out of him. That's you know. First of all, the other issue that I have, I think that they ended up bringing him back, although I haven't seen him on CNN in a long time. What bothers me is th- th- this knee-jerk reaction to apologize. It seems like it's the comedians who are like, no, fuck you. I'm not going to apologize for that. No, it was a joke. Or it wasn't insensitive. I'm not anti-gay. You know, if I – I've used the word on this show in reference to other people talking, but homo and queer and these words, I'm not oppressing anyone, and I'm not using them disparagingly. And he did nothing here that is disparaging anyone. He's making jokes. It's obviously he's not advocating for someone to go beat the shit out of someone if they were hyped, gay or not, for that dumb commercial. He he clearly was joking. His language is playful. He's not advocating violence. Yeah, he obviously doesn't talk like that in real life. No, well, he's definitely got a black timber to his to his speech oh that's probably very very controversial i've never heard him go on the news and talk about how yeah 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 that's not how he talks it's like oprah when she goes into her black mode oh hey girl when she's doing that but there were several tweets that came out in response that were calling for his firing dear cnn it's time to fire roland martin for his homophobic comments and his awful political analysis, he tarnishes the CNN image. Hashtag fail. Come on. I, well, one, I think that's probably not the proper use of a hashtag. <laughs> yeah. So this is just another one. And, you know, the anti, the, it's, it, typically the gay thing is, I understand, it's definitely a sensitive issue. It's definitely something that's in the news. But the tide is turning – Gay people. The tide is turning, gay listeners. Pat Robertson himself admits it. Yeah, that he yeah, for sure. You're winning, everybody. He, he's running for the hills. But they don't even save their criticism and their calls for people's firing. They don't even save it for the straights. They're attacking one another like they did Ellen at the Oscars. Yes. Um, the, for those of you who didn't watch the Oscars, I don't know what you're doing, but it was actually very good this year. Ellen put on a great show, but she made a, a, a very funny joke to her friend, Liza Minnelli, who is often um, impersonated by men in drag. It's very common. Liza Minnelli impersonators. It's her mother is a gay icon. Yeah. So this was Ellen's, I think, very funny joke. Most amazing Liza Minnelli impersonators I have ever seen in my entire life. Just uh, really, seriously. Good job, sir. I mean, that is really. And obviously, she was speaking directly to Liza Minnelli in case people who didn't see it don't understand the context. Right, right, right. She was saying that to Liza Minnelli. And some disgruntled viewers took to Twitter to criticize Ellen over her remark with one person saying, quote, I did not appreciate Ellen's mean joke about Liza. I found it transphobic and disrespectful. 
while another claimed, quote, the fact that calling a woman a man in drag is transphobic. Ellen is great, but she made a mistake with that. Maybe they shouldn't have used that person's tweet in this article because that didn't make sense. It's also stupid because, one, she's not trans. It's, it would be tranny-phobic, not transsexual phobic. Well, apparently transphobia describes a range of negative attitudes and feelings toward transsexuals and transgendered people. As many people have pointed out, transsexual and transgender is different from drag performance, yes. which Ellen was poking fun at. So. And, but it's funny. What is wrong with making a joke about it? Well, she, it was it was it's funny. It it's funny. And not only that, if someone was going to be upset about it, wouldn't it be the person that it was directed towards, Liza Minnelli, who released a statement and said that she thought that Ellen would think it was funny and you know she thinks it didn't go over that well, but she doesn't think that Ellen meant any harm at all. And she still thinks Ellen is a great lady and that she thinks she did a good job hosting the Oscars. So there's no issue between the two. So if there's no issue between the people that were directly involved in the situation, then why are other people upset? It's this tendency to these people who, who think they are so hypersensitive and they're up their own ass with how self-righteous they are and how wonderful they are and how forgiving and loving and open-minded they are. It, it's ridiculous. Ellen is clearly an advocate for gay rights. She, before it was even cool, was the first le- open gay lesbian on a TV show. It, it might have been the first lesbian kiss on TV was Ellen on yeah, that show. Yeah, she's awesome. She's constantly speaking out against you know anti-bullying ads i mean she's not speaking against anti-bullying she's constantly (laughs) advocating anti-bullying ads they must stop (laughs) she's constantly advocating the anti-bullying cause and bringing issue bringing light to the issue of you know gay violence and gay bullying it's it's ultimately it's, it's get the fuck over yourself this needs to stop this kind of bullshit needs to stop because it is a distraction to what is important. Gay marriage, that's something to attach yourself to. Ellen's gay joke that wasn't even really gay because you don't have to necessarily be a homosexual to be Eliza Minnelli impersonator. Just because you dress like a woman to impersonate someone or dress like a woman, period, doesn't make you gay. So it's not... And also, you're not gay, and you just talked about how you wear panties. I love it. They just make me feel so sexy. Yeah, they do. See, I did a gay voice. That's very offensive. I want to apologize to all of my gay fans. It's In fact, just, most most of our fans, I think, are probably homosexual. It's just another terrible accent. So I'll start naming names. So start calling the number six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. Start calling, or I'm going to name names. <laughs> it's it's this this trend of of sensitivity that really it needs to be curbed there there's the, the whole term phobia you know islamophobia homophobia transphobia all these phobias arachnophobia is a phobia i have it i know yeah you're afraid of spiders if you hate gay people then you're a dick and you hate someone you're not afraid of them She's clearly, Ellen is not afraid, which is what a phobia is. She's not afraid of transsexuals. She's not transphobic. She's not. It's this weird using terms. It's like it's like this, this trend right now with people's privilege. There was recently an article on Pathios.com by a gay name, guy named, uh, well, he is a gay guy. He's, he's a gay. He's a <laughs> misspoke wow he uh he's, it's a guy named uh james croft who happens to be gay and um i think he goes to harvard he's a harvard professor or he has some affiliation with harvard but he wrote an article called how to check your privilege in five excruciating steps and basically what what happened with this article is he changed his mind about abortion he wrote an article about abortion and he got a lot of backlash from writing this article and he was forced to change his mind and he through the process of wrestling with the issue of abortion and changing his mind and listening listening to different perspectives he 
decided to come up with this check your privilege thing. Uh. Now, for those of you that don't know what checking your privilege is, it's apparently common in discussions of difficult social topics where power imbalances exist between participants. He gives an example. It arises frequently during discussions of race, gender, and sexual orientation. A white person discussing race, a cisgender man... Wait, dis- what? a what? Cisgender. What, what the hell is that? A person who identifies as the gender or sex they were assigned at birth. So I would be cisgender. Yes, you were born a <laughs> male, you identify as a male, you are a man. All right. Made up word. So a white person discussing race, a cisgender man discussing issues related to gender, or a straight person discussing queer issues might be advised to check their privilege if they make a comment which suggests some sort of cluelessness or unexamined assumption about a topic at hand stemming from their position in the structures of power which regulate life in each of those domains. I guess they could have easily just had the article titled, Check Yourself Before You'll Wreck Yourself. Yes, that could have been it. Check your privilege. If Roland had written this article. (laughs) But he didn't. So Check your ish. I think that there's as we'll go on to see as we go through the five steps there are several good points in this article i thought so too but starting here we already run into an issue because i don't like the belief or accusation that simply because you aren't a part of a group or you haven't experienced something that you can't have an opinion about it i often get this when i talk about addiction and it really you mean you mean the whole Oh, you've never been addicted to heroin or you've never smoked marijuana, so you you're not entitled to an opinion. Yes. Or the opinion the the opinion that you have isn't valid because you haven't partaken in these illicit illegal substances. Yes. I I post a lot of stuff on Facebook and Twitter that is science related, psychology related, you know, lots of different studies and addiction is something I am very interested in and passionate about and so I post about it a lot. And I had someone comment on one of my posts one time and kind of question why I'm so interested in it, saying, you know, you're not an addict. What's what's the situation here? Why do you talk about addiction? Why do you have opinions about addiction? And I said, because I've educated myself about it. I <laughs> Is there any other reason right, that I need? Right. I mean, I grew up surrounded by it, immersed in it in my family, and that's what caused me to educate myself about it. But... The fact that I've never done heroin doesn't mean that I can't have an opinion on the impact that heroin has on the lives of other people or what it does or to even, the body. E- even on the person, the user, not just other people. It's, yeah. There's, it's, it's science. Also, related to a lot of this, it's some of this is good. And where it's good is that it's an instruction in empathy. It's, a, it's an instruction on how to be more kind – and I wouldn't say open-minded, but um, more to listen better. And, and I think that's great. But where, where I think it steers people wrong is in that I can't have an – he goes on to say, you know, in, when entering discussions of abortion, I – and this is him speaking – I need to be particularly aware that I identify as male and therefore am a beneficiary of social structures – which privileged people are perceived as male over people perceived as female, that I do not have the capability to get pregnant and carry a child, and therefore will never face the decision of whether or not to have an abortion, and that I'm gay, and therefore will not likely even be in a relationship with someone who who might choose to have an abortion, and can choose to have sex with people of my preferred gender, and generally not have to worry whether they will get pregnant. So because of all those things, he's not allowed to have an opinion or his opinion holds a, a, a far less st- a less stature because of the fact of all those things I just listed. I think that's bullshit. As, an in, as, as a sentient being who is self-aware and can think and has an intellectual ability that as low as it might be, and I'm speaking about myself, um, I can still work out facts and I can still work out logic and reason and 
come to conclusions about complex issues like abortion. I don't need to be a woman. I don't need to have a womb. I don't need to actually physically face these decisions as a woman to have an opinion, a valid opinion, about abortion. How about you check your privilege? Maybe I need to check my privilege. And I'll instruct you on how to do it right now. Number one, monitor your reaction. As James Croft states in this article, since I just told you to check your privilege, Jesse, you might have a immediate strong emotional reaction. Are you having one? I'm getting pissed. These reactions, if allowed to dictate your response, will likely be extremely detrimental to the process of deep thought required to get a handle on how your privilege is affecting your thinking in a given area. Now, I think this is this is kind of a good point, too, if it doesn't have the whole check your privilege thing in it, because I definitely think in arguments, you do need to monitor your reaction. You need to stay lucid. You need to stay calm enough to evaluate what was just said to you and how you're going to respond. Now, this doesn't mean that where you come from is interfering with your ability to have a certain opinion. I don't agree with that. I don't think if you're white, you can't talk about race issues or if you're a cisgender that you can't talk about gender issues. Well, it's, it's like asserting that if you come from the ghetto or you grew up in a trailer and you're poor, you have no business speaking about the taxation of the rich. I'm sorry, you can't have an opinion about at what percentage rich people are taxed because you're poor and you don't know what their experience is. You're privileged. You, have a, you're, you need to check your privilege, poor person. You can't have a, a, an opinion. We're not going to allow that. Complete and utter bullshit. And no one would ever tell a poor person to check their privilege related to that topic. Well, and it also confuses me because... I mean, it, it does this carry into other areas where, you know, you have cancer and so you want a doctor that has had cancer because how could a doctor who hasn't had cancer treat your cancer <laughs> right. and understand what's going on with you and your cancer? Well, not even, a, not even an oncologist. If you were going to go to a psychiatrist or a psychologist related to talk therapy or, you know, some an issue, issue you have and you want to enter into talk therapy – you don't necessarily have to have someone who used to be a drug addict or someone who's schizophrenic be your therapist. Yeah. Are there male gynecologists? Oh, yeah. Okay. That's They need to check their privilege. <laughs> okay, so number two in checking your privilege, since we're instructing you on how to do this because it's obviously very important, excavate your identity. So this is step number two. And this is when you conduct a review of all the aspects of your identity, which might be relevant to your response to the issue under discussion. And so that's kind of what Jesse was talking about when he talked about how in his abortion views, not Jesse's, the author of the article, that he's gay, he's not a woman, he doesn't have a womb, so he can't have opinions on abortion. Or he can, he just needs to evaluate that and change it based on his privilege it's you know it's interesting he goes on and he's talking about um that he says it's a bit embarrassing to admit but a little part of me when challenged on the issue um wanted to respond but i'm gay he's talking about when he was talking to a woman but i'm gay i'm a friend to women i'm not like those like those dastardly straight gay guys he's either gay or he's geraldo rivera with this dastardly I'm not, not like those dastardly gay guys. Straight guys. Uh, straight guys, I'm sorry. Uh, this, of course, would be an absurd reaction on many levels. There are gay men who are extremely sexist. Some live their lives in almost exclus exclusively male social circles. How the, how, explain this to me. How is it sexist to live exclusively in male social circles? How is it sexist for a female to run with only women? How is that sexist? Well, he's kind of canceling out his own point, I think, because he's saying... It doesn't make any sense. Because, well, he goes on to say that um, that many gays display many of the same sexist behaviors that straight men do. So 
when you're saying this check your privilege thing that white people can't comment on race that cisgender people can't comment on gender he's making a generalization that all white people are the same that all cisgender people are the same that they don't have different perspectives within those groups when he's saying right here that there's gay men that behave just like sexist straight men. Right. So they have a different perspective as well. It, it, well, what it all boils down to, and I'm not, we're not wrapping this up because we have two more points, but three more points, is we're all individuals. The, these groups, and I keep wanting to use the word liberal, and I don't even want to use that. I want to just label people like that. They all want to. They want to seg segment everybody into their. You're poor or you're rich. You're white or you're black. You're this or you're that. And that was almost like a little thing going on there. Nice. It was like you were rapping. Yeah. It, we're all individuals. Th that's what it is. And to to segment us into these separate categories and groups, it's not healthy for anyone. Yeah. So number three, exercise moral imagination. This is where you start perspective taking. He says, first, try to imagine how your own comments and thoughts on the disputed topic might be received by someone directly implicated. Second, really flex your imaginative muscles and try to imagine what it might be like to actually experience the phenomenon you are discussing. Now, both of these points are really great. That's what should happen in discussions, especially surrounding controversial topics. You want to try to imagine how your comments and thoughts are going to be received by the people that you're talking to. That should happen every day, all day. We should all be doing that all the time. That's just empathy. Exactly. And same with the next one. You want to imagine what it might be like for others to actually experience what you're talking about. That's empathy. That's, just, that's good communication. And same as point number four is also good communication. Listen to others. This is perhaps the most critical step, he says. Reach out to people who are affected by the issue you are discussing and who do not share the privilege which you are being asked to check. <sighs> so he's just saying, learn from other people who are different than you. Well, if you're constantly going around saying, check your privilege, I can't listen to your opinion. Your opinion isn't valid because you need to check your privilege. Well, even if you're not physically saying that, but that's the attitude with which you come to the conversation. Exactly. Then how are you going to go to someone and listen to what they're saying? That's the purpose of a conversation. St saying to someone, you know what? Check your privilege. You're white. You can't discuss race issues. Well, that's shutting down a conversation. And, 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 you know, I don't, it's not even that you're white. You can't discuss race issues. Is that I'm only going to take your opinion so seriously because you're white or because you're straight or because you're a woman or because you're a man. It's it's not necessarily you can't talk about it. It's yeah, but you're white, so you know your opinion's only going to get forty percent attention on this issue, and it's again complete bullshit. He's just contradicting his own point as he goes. I feel like so number five, hew to your values. Whenever responding to a call to check your privilege, sit on your response for a while. Say nothing. Sit on it and consult your values. You may want to ask yourself these questions. Am I listening to the people who are telling me I'm wrong? Am I genuinely considering the possibility that I am actually wrong, even if I think I am right? Am I accounting for my biases and privileges and temperament and identities? Are my responses, as I'm figuring this out, fully respectful of the people in the discussion? This is just discussion yeah how to be respectful of one another when you talk That's this is how to advance our society this is what republicans and democrats need to engage in this is what everybody needs to engage in but they don't ha it's not necessarily waffling on your opinion which i think is what he leads to here is that's what that's the impression that i get that's what i'm receiving from this maybe he needed to check his fucking privilege before he wrote this because he's not communicating very well in a lot of the points and he ends it by saying, ultimately, this is a continual process where all these steps should be happening at once. And it's difficult. The amount of introspection required of us when asked to check our privilege is actually immense. It takes a lot of intellectual and emotional work to get where others are coming from when our experience does not match theirs. For all the difficulty, though, I think it's worth it. Checking our privilege makes us more compassionate and more reasonable people. And... I agree, except for I don't think you need this phrase of checking your privilege. I think you just need to understand where other people are coming from and 
you know, a cisgender person can talk about gender issues. A non-addict can talk about addiction. A male gynecologist can know about vaginas. (laughs) And have an opinion relative to the political implications of birth control and reproductive rights. You don't have to be an owner of a uterus to hold valid opinions. I agree. Yeah. It's... Look, we need to be less sensitive. Let me rephrase. We need to be more sensitive to one another and less sensitive about one another. That might be profound. I'm not sure. It might be shit. You be the judge. Give me a call. (laughs) 657-464-7609. I think this is going to wrap it up for us. This has been over an hour. It's been a great show. Thank you, Brittany. You're welcome. And uh, as always... We want to thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. Uh, get with us on Twitter. It's easy to find our addresses. And uh, go like us on Facebook. Go rate and review the show on iTunes. Share our Facebook page. Get the word out for us. We really appreciate it. For Brittany Page. Thank you. I am Jesse Dollamore. Don't forget to check your privilege, everybody. This has been I Doubt. And the tables have turned.